Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 756 with a review of Godzilla Minus One. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week on the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a theater near you. This week, we already had a review of Poor Things, um, and now we're talking about uh, big things, and that is Godzilla <laughs> and the latest... <laughs> the latest Godzilla entry. Um, Sore things come in dino. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, Steven, are yeah. you are you big Godzilla head? <laughs> like, I don't know what they call I him. Mean, yeah, like, I, I definitely can't be called a big Godzilla head because I haven't seen a lot of Godzilla movies. But the very first DVD my family ever bought was the Matthew Broderick Godzilla movie, <laughs> which I watched a million times. Um I remember my dad like cranking up the volume so the whole house would rumble and I I thought it was so cool. Um, (laughs) And then I also, this past few months, I've been doing a 1950s marathon and that included the 1954 original Godzilla. So it was kind of cool to go all the way back to the beginning and see where it started, uh, which does kind of inform this movie a lot more than you might expect. But I have not, I don't think I've ever seen Mothra in a movie, for instance, um, I haven't seen the sequels to the Gareth Edwards Godzilla. Like, I really have not seen a lot. How about you? Yeah, um, it's that Matthew Broderick Godzilla. Um, all I remember from that is, like, the MTV Movie Awards doing their spoof <laughs> of it, where they just were constantly launching off Godzilla's foot in the taxi. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, um, I I remember, you know, growing up, catching some of the Godzillas that would air on whatever channel on TV that they were airing on. And I would kind of like tune in a little bit, but I never really followed it. Um, when the uh, the American Godzilla started happening, you know, I, I tuned in for those. When the newest ones started being made, I tuned into those. Um, but I haven't really gone back and tried to really get into Godzilla. You know, I never saw Shin Godzilla. This was sort of just like, a, you know, kind of a whim. It was playing. Uh, I was available and I went and checked it out. So I'm kind of bringing, once again... <laughs> bringing nothing into this film just kind of trying to go see what's up with this and see how it is so um yeah i i i'm i'm excited to talk about it a yeah. little bit so we are we are two people who are extra ill-equipped to talk about this movie so let's dive in <laughs> steven we're not extra ill-equipped to talk about lots of things that that's, is fair that's what this podcast is founded on I mean, we, we, we just spent an episode talking about women's pleasure, and God knows I've never... Godzilla knows, though. Yeah, we don't not know. even going to finish that joke. <laughs> roll, the, roll the tape. We're going to listen to the Japanese trailer for this film, um, and then we're going to come back and give you all a review. <laughs>
All right. So that was the trailer for Godzilla Minus One. Uh, and the story goes, uh, post-war Japan is at its lowest point when a new crisis emerges in the form of a giant monster baptized in the horrific power of the atomic bomb. Stephen Miller, what did you think about Godzilla Minus One? I thought this movie was pretty great. Um, what really struck me is how much this does bring things back to the original Godzilla movie from 70 years ago, because that movie is actually like very, I would say, somber and tragic. It, it is so clearly processing the horror of the atomic bomb, and it was made in the early 50s, so like it had not been that long. Uh, after the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And I think, like, obviously any big monster movie is kind of a metaphor for war and destruction and the chaos caused by war. But that movie really leaned into it. Like, they're talking about Godzilla as a creation of the atomic bomb. People are afraid of the means they used to stop him and whether that would trigger basically an Oppenheimer, like whether the weapon they create to stop him would be its own new form of devastation on the world. And it was just a very kind of interesting philosophical movie. Um, and this really carries on that torch in a way that I can't speak for all of them, but I don't think Matthew Broderick really carried. <laughs> <laughs> it, which is like Godzilla as this really actual somber, like, concept um rather than just this big epic monster movie you know it's not just a jurassic park you know it, it is meant to represent something more and i think this movie like it has the emotions down like i was definitely invested in this movie in the main character of this movie uh who i don't think it's a spoiler to say that he begins as a kamikaze pilot who has went on leave at least from his mission so he's a surviving kamikaze pilot and part of this movie yeah. is him wrestling with this that guilt you know of maybe not having done his duty um and then next to him is this giant terrifying representation of mindless destruction and i think the movie just absolutely nails the horror of that and the complicated feelings you would have in in sight of it and visually i think it's just amazing you know like for the relatively low budget that this movie had i think godzilla looks really really cool i think the scale of him compared to everything else is very you feel the suspense um and when he goes on destruction streaks especially when he uses his um I don't know what you call like the fire breath type, type yeah, yeah. thing that he does. It's um, basically he spits an atomic bomb out of his mouth. Exactly. He spits an atomic bomb. And there is like such a there's a real like quiet devastation after that. That is just I, I found it all very impressive and very captivating. Um, and yeah, I was just overwhelmed compared to what I think of the Godzilla franchise as having been become over the last many many decades this really felt like a return to form like back to that original idea of people grappling with the idea of the horror that humanity can unleash um even the the creature design like i feel like in my lifetime godzilla has been this kind of slick dinosaur-y type thing that is like chaotic and scary but looks like like natural just like a prehistoric creature um and this Godzilla, like the original, or like you see in the like 
pre-roll at Alamo movies. Uh, he's more of this like <laughs> clumpy, like unnatural thing. It, it like it reminds me more almost of like the Doomsday at the end of Batman v Superman. It's like this giant horrific like conglomeration of all the shit we've done to ruin the world it's like he's like collected all of that and now it's coming back at you um and i there was just so much that i thought was really really cool about this movie so yeah i was i was a fan i thought it it was both a entertaining spectacle and a blockbuster that has like a a third act that i think has a lot of stand up and cheer type moments and then also a really quiet contemplative sad exploration of war like it, it just does everything at the same time and i thought that was just really 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 cool so yeah i was a fan yeah you know in, in our last review of poor things you talked about watching poor things and then watching godzilla minus one is a good comparison to the whole barbenheimer experience just because you have the the you know the growing up and becoming a woman mixed with uh, uh the atomic uh, bomb destruction nature and all that kind of stuff um this film by itself is almost a little barbenheimer action too because you start with a little baby godzilla <laughs> mm-hmm. and you get to follow godzilla through more closely towards adulthood and see what yeah. maybe godzilla le- learns from everything <laughs> um do you think godzilla learns in this movie um maybe <laughs> <laughs> anyways um but yeah i i think that you know i as i said i kind of went to see this on a whim and i wasn't really quite sure what i got uh what i was going to expect from it but i think that for me i was immediately drawn in by the simple framing as Stephen was talking about um just framing it from the vantage point of a kamikaze pilot who uh didn't do the thing they were supposed to do it's kind of like the war is basically over and like there is a mix of fear and maybe like wh- why like things are done why don't i just go home because like there's no benefit to me completing my mission because like it's it's lost cause and then kind of seeing his fear and his anguish and his guilt over not completing uh completing the mission that he was supposed to do coming home to just a completely destroyed uh city and kind of trying to reestablish himself in uh, the rubble with like all these people that he's lost. And it's like the one person who is surviving is the person that knows what he was supposed to do and didn't. So it's like, he's lost everything except for this one connection that now sees him as disgraceful in some way. Right. And sort of this idea of him trying to amidst this, this devastating thing that he sees, you know, he survives war, sees this devastating, uh, baby Godzilla attack and then goes off and tries to like rebuild a life from scratch with uh, some you know random people that he might encounter, and kind of just like the, the idea of setting it and framing everything from that moment and everything builds from there um, was like a really really interesting way to sort of uh, frame the story and kind of like that immediately gave me what's, what's weird is because normally you know forget, forget giant dinosaur creatures like think of like a Roland Emmerich film right mm-hmm. the scale of what's happening is so astronomical that it's hard to you need like a you know, John Cusack or somebody to right. some some father that's probably separated from from his wife who has to mm-hmm. try to rescue the kid and the wife you know like there there's like somebody that you need to fit with and this is like 
that is like a like an archetype, right? But in this story, it's like a, an immediately grounded thing, and you get to see a person who is not necessarily begrudgingly participating in the the standing up to this new devastation which is coming about. It's somebody who has something to prove, who feels that they have to earn their right to be alive by trying to stop this other thing. That it's like it's like they 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 went out on they basically didn't do what they were supposed to the first time. And this film is giving them a chance to potentially make up for that lack. And I think that like the way this film builds up characters and pays off their arcs and stuff like that just felt like a, you know, like perfectly executed all the way across. And it's like, yes, there are, there are giant dinosaurs blowing like weird blue flame explosions all over the place. You get all that. And it looks sick as hell, too. Like there, there's one scene like the first time he does the fire breath and there's just like all that shit coming like flying through the city just from the concussive right. blast of wind looks rad as hell um mm-hmm. all that stuff is really really cool but i really like the character moments in this film and kind of like it gets to a point where like by the end you're just like god damn it movie you yeah <laughs> you paid this off so well i love it um maybe even almost almost made me a little teary at the end too with the way, yeah, it, way it definitely it, pays off it is emotional it, it is definitely emotional at the end it uh it earns that shit yeah, it, yeah. it's really impressive yeah, yeah. There, 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 there's a moment at the end where like I already get it, and then it starts a flashback. And I was like, "You didn't need to show me a flashback. I got it." But then the line of dialogue from the flashback is what really got me. I was like, "Oh god damn you, movie!" <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I, I really, I, I think I very much enjoyed this film, and I kind of like you know it offered. It gave me what I would expect going in to see a Godzilla film, but it also gave me a lot of really nice character beats that really got me. And also, the like the from the sta- science standpoint, like the plan that the scientists are putting together to try to take on Godzilla, I I thought was pretty a pretty interesting plan. Like I liked it. Yeah, I I thought you would like that, and I do want to say the original movie. It isn't that exact plan, but it's a very similar plan. Like I okay. like I can't stress how much this is kind of calling back to the original, even the the number of times you see Godzilla and the places you see him, I think are one to one the same with the original movie. Um, it's uh, it's really interesting because I feel like this is being framed as a prequel. Like people are misunderstanding what minus one means in the title, um, but it isn't. Like, I feel like it's a, it's a reboot. It's almost like a redoing of the original movie. Um, and yeah, it's, it's definitely cool. I like the science in it a lot, actually. I, I like how it, uh, I, I won't spoil the original movie, but this like combines the original movie's idea with Top Gun Maverick in a way that I think works really well. <laughs> yeah, I, I will. I will say there. There's an aspect of the science that the way they visualized it later, when it's actually happening, seems slightly different than the science that was displayed in the small mm-hmm. version of it. Um, it was still cool, but I, I feel like it was a different. Mm-hmm. It was visually represented differently than what I thought they were trying to do, but we we could talk about it offline. <laughs> yeah, no, I hear you. Um, but yeah, I I thought it was really cool. I also like the idea from the main character standpoint. Like Godzilla is so big, like you said, and you need someone to ground it. You need a John Cusack to make the astronomical feel personal. And here it's grounded so much. It's basically like this guy is being haunted by Godzilla, you know, like, like that's at least how it plays is yeah. not only does he feel it's his mission to stop him, but he keeps running into this thing that is like the giant cosmic 
um, manifestation of his guilt, <laughs> basically. Yeah. And and it's so interesting that a giant destructive monster movie can also feel like a very very personal like horror movie almost. And and I think the fact that it manages to pull off both is very impressive. And it does ground the otherwise like Godzilla is getting bigger every time we see him, and so it becomes more and more enormous and more difficult to really clock the scale. But there's something about that framing of it following this person who has had him and is this kind of like white whale since the beginning that I think is just really, really, really well done. And also the, let's not gloss over like Kamikaze pilot that already has so many interesting moral questions and kind of clear like anti-war things that it's wrestling with. And the whole movie has a lot of um, interesting sentiment over like what do characters feel like about having participated in the war and what do they feel is their duty versus maybe maybe the real duty is to make sure no one else ever has to go through that. I, I don't know. I, I just thought there was so much this movie was doing and I really, really vibed with it. Yeah. It was also interesting to see like the the town rebuilding and the rubbage, like the or mm-hmm. the, the wreckage of, of what was left of the city. It was interesting to see as time progresses what like fancy living what like everybody yeah. is like just putting together the pieces of the city just to have a roof over their head and then mm-hmm. like as time progresses they get like fancier and fancier sliding panels and stuff like that for the city and it's kind of like there, there is i i i liked watching the progression of like oh we have money now this is what we've become in the, but we're still staying in this one house because this is everything that is our life in this one little space and we want to yeah continue to like where nobody's moving away they're all staying and rebuilding in the exact same spot so they can have back a semblance of what they had before everything went to hell yeah definitely and i it's so hard to kind of talk about this movie as one thing because it is really really fun and definitely a big spectacle monster movie and then also clearly a meditation on sad things like the the sad part of this that i was thinking of is you know, when we talk about uh, Oppenheimer, there was a lot of discourse around why does it never show the devastation of the atomic bomb? You know, why are we only seeing the scientist wrestling with his guilt, but we're never actually seeing what it did to real people? And I think the the conclusion that I had is you couldn't put that in a movie, right? It Showing that head on would be it would feel unearned, like no matter what you do with it. And I kind of think this sort of thing is the closest you can get to it. Kind of like how you don't look at an eclipse directly, but you like hold a piece of paper and look at that instead. I feel like this is like, we're not going to show you the atomic bomb, just like Miyazaki is not going to show you the Tokyo firebombing, but we are going to show you a thing that is very clearly like, the devastation and the horror of it and how it would feel to experience it. I, I don't know. It, it, it's amazing that a movie that is also goofy stand up and cheer has those kind of emotional beats to it. But I felt it like I felt, I honestly felt kind of like this scene in Oppenheimer when the blast goes off for the first time watching the power of Godzilla. And that, that is just not a feeling I thought I would have like mentally. I had it with the 1954 movie, but visual effects obviously didn't exist back then to, <laughs> like watching the original i felt it because i was like holy shit this was made nine years after world war ii ended what would it have been like to be an audience to process yeah. this but this movie you really feel the actual force of godzilla and i think it, it it's just doing something so interesting yeah yeah any, any other thoughts on this film steven 
I don't think so. <laughs> All right. You know what time it is, then. It's time for us to get to our verdicts. Stephen Miller, if you were going to give this a must-see, record with a caveat, wait for until past the caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? I'm giving it a must-see. I think it's a relatively low-budget, giant spectacle that I think the money is very much on screen. I think it has emotional resonance. I think the action is amazing. The characters are ones you root for, which... It's not usually something you think about or care about in a movie like this, but it is very important to this particular story. And yeah, I, I just had a blast. I think it's a great, great entry in the Godzilla franchise. Yeah, it's a must-see for me as well. Um, I was, in a way, kind of surprised by how much I enjoyed it. And I think that really just the the setup and payoffs that this film delivers, like obviously it has like those... those um, you know, ideas and metaphors at play, but I think by grounding it in like a single character and sort of making it their journey that they went on and kind of framing everything from point, their point of view, it it allows you to extend beyond just the metaphor and thinking about it from a grand scale, scale and thinking about it on like just one person's point of view as they journey through this. And it doesn't have to be a disgruntled, disgruntled father. <laughs> um. But yeah, that's going to Matthew Broderick's marital status in in the classic movie I watched on DVD. Well, was that what it was for him as well? I don't remember. I don't, I don't remember his emotional arc at all. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't remember either. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's going to bring us to the end of our review of Godzilla minus one. Stephen Miller, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? People can find me at sdavidmiller.com or on pretty much every social network at sdavidmiller. People can find me at christophermillerlife.com or a number of different places. Christopher IRL, um, including mastodon.social. You can find the spoiler warning over the spoilerwarning.com where you can find a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so on Overcast, YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. Um, if you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning, facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning, or instagram.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com, or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from a track selected from artlist.io, so hopefully you're enjoying that. And uh, yeah, we're going to take off. That's it for this week. We will be back sometime in the near future. <laughs> I know we're going to be doing some traveling for the holidays. Uh, we're going to come back, I assume, with a review of something from the break. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye.